Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. This is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, Tim Ballard's psychic, Janet Russin. There are a number of fascinating aspects to the Tim Ballard story that have been breaking over the last couple of months since September 15th when the LDS Church issued its formal denunciation of Tim Ballard. And in the past two months, a lot of news has come forward about Tim Ballard, about OUR, and about what's been going on behind the scenes in OUR and on their operations that prior to this time was being withheld from the public and probably for good reason. I will say that Vice News has been following this story for actually years now. So when I say it's been withheld from the public, not completely. Vice News has been reporting on it. But to a large extent, I think that their reporting has been like a voice crying in the wilderness until it hit the fan two months ago. Today's date is November 17th, 2023. What I want to talk about with you today is an article that appeared in the Blaze News. I think it was three days ago. And it deals specifically with their investigation of Tim Ballard. And this article deals with their investigation of Janet Russin. Now, because The Blaze is run by Glenn Beck, and because Glenn Beck has a long history of supporting OUR and Tim Ballard, he's not so much supporting Tim Ballard anymore, but he is still supporting, I'm sure, of OUR and its mission. Glenn Beck had supported Tim Ballard for years, and now that Glenn Beck is finding out that Tim Ballard is not all that he's cracked up to be. It appears that he is using his news agency in order to investigate OUR as a form of penance and making things right and trying to get to the heart of the issue. That's the impression I have. The other side of it is, is that OUR and Glenn Beck have this connection and therefore when Glenn Beck's journalists or reporters go out to talk to OUR people, there is a relationship. And so OUR people or former OUR people, you know, they're probably more likely to talk to him. And it seems like that's the case. He's getting a lot of information. Although these OUR employees from the past are speaking on condition of anonymity. All right, let's go to this article. It's in Blaze media the title is blaze news investigates the psychic who guided tim ballard and some operation underground railroad missions for years there's a picture of tim ballard there's a picture of janet russin over to the right in the inset she's looking at some paper with writing on it which appear to be writings that she may have made while she's receiving her spiritual impressions and recording them this Article is written by Courtney Weil, W-E-I-L. It's dated November 14th, 2023, so it is from three days ago. Let's proceed and see what we can find out. Last month, Blaze News published a report that took a deep dive into allegations of sexual misconduct leveled at Tim Ballard. The former federal agent who founded Operation Underground Railroad a decade ago with the expressed goal of rescuing victims of human trafficking. Now, Blaze News has examined another former OUR employee who has played a significant role in Ballard's life and in many OUR operations, Janet Russin, 
a woman who purports to commune with spirits. Based on the information Blaze News has received from eight former OUR associates, Russin, Janet Russin, has had undue influence on Ballard and therefore on OUR operations for many years, perhaps even a decade or more. This particular line in the article has raised some controversy because there are people who read this and they feel like they're trying to blame Janet Russin for what Tim Ballard did. I'm not sure that's what's meant. If it is what's meant, I would reject that because Tim Ballard is the one who was using Janet Russin's abilities. He made that choice. Tim Ballard is the one who would bring her with him multiple times on his missions to Haiti to find Gardy Marty. And Tim Ballard was the one who used her intelligence that she's getting from the spirits in order to go find him. They've never found him based on her intelligence. It's all been nothing. He hasn't been there. And yet he keeps using her again and again and again. So the way I read this is that these former OUR associates say undue influence is that Janet Russin as a psychic has had influence that was undue on Tim Ballard and his operations, okay? I don't think it's saying that she's the bad guy. If it is, I disagree. Um, these witnesses uniformly told us that Ballard speaks to Russin almost daily, sometimes even multiple times per day. One individual guessed that during some busy periods, Russin worked nearly 80 hours a week providing psychic intel to Ballard. Another joke that Ballard never uses the bathroom without consulting her first. These former OUR associates have spoken to Blaze News about Russin on the condition of anonymity. In some cases, they fear violating a non-disclosure agreement, remember? Tim Ballard always having these women who were going on the couple's ruse with him always sign an NDA right off the bat. According to all of their statements, that was job number one. Once they're picked, he has him sign an NDA, then he starts telling them about the couple's ruse. So these people, some of them at least, are concerned about violating that NDA that he had them sign. Others are concerned about their own safety or possible community or professional fallout from their ties with Ballard and or his allies. Because Tim Ballard and his allies come at you. If you cross them, they will come at you and they will do whatever it is they need to do in order to destroy you. And we get an example of that in the next paragraph. To establish the extent of Russin's impact on Ballard's life and OUR's work, Blaze News here attempts to lay out a rather complicated story. Fortunately, I'm pretty familiar with the story, as are you if you've been following my podcast on the subject or studying about it independently. But it's a complicated story grounded in the tragic kidnapping of a young boy, that's Gardy Marty in Haiti, that involves Janet Russin's supposed paranormal site, thousands of man hours, millions of dollars in resources, and even alleged sexual grooming and spiritual manipulation. There's the couple's ruse. It is so full of intrigue that members of Ballard's inner circle, listen to this, it is so full of intrigue that members of Ballard's inner circle have recently contacted Blaze Media Management. They've been contacting them and even family members of key Blaze employees. So they've been contacting Blaze Management, 
They've been contacting their family members and family members of Keyblaze employees. Not clear whether that includes Glenn Beck and his family. To try to shut this story down. Efforts that ultimately were in vain. See, they'll come at you and they'll come at you. Thankfully, Glenn Beck is going to publish this. And he's not going to cave to the pressure. By all accounts, Janet Russon, 60, appears to be an unassuming wife, mother, and faithful member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. One former OUR associate who went on an operation with Russon once described her as a, quote, very sheltered-looking, soccer momish woman from Utah, a description that matches those given by many sources who spoke with Blaze News. Russon, a Connecticut native who has lived in Utah for some time, also appears to have a passion for helping orphaned children find adoptive homes. According to a biography of Resson posted on an old version of a website for an adoption-related nonprofit where Resson once served on the board of directors, Resson and her husband have nine children, seven of whom are adopted. That's a lot of adopted kids, seven adopted kids. It doesn't appear that she has any other expertise, training, or experience that would make her a natural candidate to serve on a board of directors for a nonprofit adoption-related entity. But there she was. And there she is. There's the picture. Russon's information was removed from that website sometime after June 10th of this year. And remember, that's when everything went down with Tim Ballard, and he was forced to resign his position as head of OUR about a month in advance of the movie Sound of Freedom hitting the theaters on the 4th of July. Though whether she still remains involved with this nonprofit is unclear. In response to a request for comment, the nonprofit, which Blaze News is not naming at its request, remember this is a nonprofit adoption related agency that she used to serve on the board of directors, may still, said Janet's involvement as a board member was because of her personal experience as an adoptive mother of seven children. She is no longer a member of our board. So she's not on the board anymore. Not clear whether she's associated with it, but according to the statement, it sounds like her only experience that qualified her for being on the board was her personal experience as an adoptive mother of seven children. If she had any other experience, they didn't mention it here, and you'd think they would mention it if she had it. Rustin assisted with adoption-related work at OUR for a couple of years as well. She left that organization shortly after Ballard did last summer. It is unclear exactly when Russin met Tim Ballard. Now that will be interesting to find out. When did she meet Tim Ballard? Under what circumstances? And what is it about their relationship that makes Tim Ballard so confident in her ability to receive accurate information from spirits, to find children, to find Guardy Marty, in spite of the fact that time after time after time, the information she provides yields no guardy. They never find him. They've never found him. They've been there time and again with this woman, Janet Rustin, with her intel from the spirits. They've never found him. What is it about this relationship that makes Tim Ballard continue, first off, to trust her in the first place, but to continue to trust her in spite of repeated failures? Those are questions I think that would be interesting to find out. One person guessed to Blaze News that their introduction could have occurred as far back as 2007. What is clear is that whenever they met, 
Ballard quickly became fascinated by Resson's purported ability to commune with spirits and began consulting her about early rescue missions by 2013. On the rare occasions on which Ballard discussed her ability with colleagues at OUR, he referred to it as remote viewing, perhaps because of his background as a federal agent. Remote viewing is this idea that you can sit in one spot and by paranormal means, you can see things that are beyond, that are on the other side of town, on the other side of the country, on the other side of the world, even on different planets. I've heard allegations made by or claims made by remote viewers that they can see these things. It's this paranormal sight that they claim to have. During the 1970s, the CIA and other agencies began exploring the possible benefits of remote viewing in federal investigations. Yeah, the 1970s. It was a great time, but there was a lot of this stuff going around, this idea of the paranormal being something that was real and could be used in investigations. The idea then fell out of favor before resurging in the 1990s, just a few years before Ballard became an agent. An official CIA study of remote viewing published in 1995, ultimately concluded that its value for intelligence agencies cannot be readily discerned and likely introduced too many complications to make remote viewers intel worthwhile. Here's a quote from the study. Normally, much of the data provided by the RVs, the remote viewers, not the recreational vehicles. Normally, much of the data provided by the remote viewers is either wrong, okay, it's wrong, it's wrong, or it's irrelevant. It has no relevance to what it is that they're supposed to be looking for. Although one cannot always tell which is which without further investigation. So in other words, we can't tell whether it's wrong or irrelevant without further investigation, but basically that's all it is. In response to Blaze News requests for answers regarding her work and her relationship with Ballard, Russin never denied being a psychic or communicating with spirits. This is important. Once again, Blaze News has these contacts with OUR that they've established over many, many years, and they are able to communicate with Janet Russin just by email, not by any psychic means, but they can communicate with her and she will write back. So they send her an email and they want to get her comments about her psychic abilities. She responds, but not about her psychic abilities. So in response to the request from Blaze News about her work and her relationship with Ballard, Bresson never denied being a psychic or communicating with spirits. In fact, her email sidestepped all questions regarding her supposed paranormal powers entirely, implying that answers to such questions would not benefit Blaze News's audience. She then offered an alternative list of more important topics for possible discussion, Without providing further comment on any of them, her list of suggested topics has been included here in full. Anti-human trafficking of minors, the U.S. border crisis, new legislation to improve border policy, prevention of trafficking through adoption, the crisis of children who age out of the opportunity to be adopted both domestically and internationally. These are all the things that she wants to talk about as opposed to her psychic ability. She goes on. The need to form and maintain alliances and cooperative relationships with other anti-human trafficking organizations worldwide. And finally, foster care in the U.S. and other countries. 
All right. Rustin did not reply to Blaze News's follow-up email asking for further information about her psychic work. Okay. So this is fascinating to me. They can contact her. They ask her about her abilities. She responds by not denying that she has psychic abilities, but sidestepping the issue completely saying, hey, my psychic abilities, that's not going to be really beneficial to your audience. But this is the important stuff, right? All this important stuff about adoption that has nothing to do with my psychic abilities. She writes this list and Blaze News sends a follow-up email to her saying, hey, ah, but we asked about your psychic abilities. In response to that, nothing. Well, I give Blaze News credit for asking the questions and following up. The article goes on. Ballard, who spent more than a decade as a Department of Homeland Security special agent after a brief stint in the CIA, appears to have trusted Russin's abilities implicitly. Whenever someone expressed skepticism about Russin, Ballard would insist that her abilities had helped solve a murder case for a California police department years earlier. Yeah, I'm sure it has. Multiple former OUR associates told Blaze News, though the details of that case are unclear. Of course they're unclear, because frankly, it never happened. If it happened, it would be easy to provide the evidence, and Tim Ballard would have done that. Okay, I don't know that that's the case. I'm pretty darn sure that's the case. If someone wants to present me police reports that show that they relied on Janet Russin and she actually found somebody or displayed some kind of psychic ability, I'm open to it. But until then, I remain skeptical, at least based upon her track record with Gardy Marty. Um, in fact, Ballard had such a high regard for Russin's paranormal insights that he began relying on her to guide some of his OUR missions, especially those in searching in the search of Gardy Marty. In December 2009, Gardy Marty, a three-year-old boy who was born in Utah, he's an American citizen, was tragically kidnapped from the LDS church in Haiti, where his father, Gesno Marty, served as bishop at the time. Though Gesno and, other and others identified possible suspects in the case almost immediately, sadly, no evidence ever surfaced that suggested that Gardy was still alive, or if he was or were, where he might be found. The story took yet another tragic turn a few weeks later when, when a devastating earthquake struck Haiti, killing hundreds of thousands. Among the dead were Gesno Marty's mother, Eliane Borgelin, pardon my mispronunciation, if I'm mispronouncing that, and I probably am. So Gesno's mother, Eliane Borgelin, is killed in the earthquake. Gesno's sister, brother-in-law, and dear friend are also killed in the earthquake. The catastrophe also consumed the attention of Haitian law enforcement and overshadowed missing persons cases such as the one involving Gardy. Tim Ballard first learned about Gesno's desperate search for Gardy shortly after the earthquake, when Ballard was still a federal agent. An OUR blog post from 2020 said, so this is Tim Ballard's story. Despite the low light, or at least at the time, this was Tim Ballard's story. Sometimes his stories will change. Despite the low likelihood that Gardy could be found, even with significant resources and manpower, Ballard claimed he couldn't get Gesno's despondent face out of his mind and immediately determined to do whatever he could to find Gardy. Ballard's boss at the federal agency eventually asked him to drop the investigation, the blog post stated, but Ballard decided to leave the agency rather than abandon Gardy's case. And I think that if you watch the movie Sound of Freedom, which I did, 
they have this idea in there about Ballard wanting to pursue a child case and finally not being supported by the the his boss at Homeland Security and he finally has to quit but that what I don't think that was about Gardy in the movie as I say there's some fluidity with the stories and who they apply to if I stayed in my government position my promise to Gesna was empty Tim Ballard said according to the blog post in 2013 Operation Underground Railroad was born and we headed straight for Haiti so Gardy Marty is the impetus he's the catalyst for the creation of OUR by Tim Ballard, at least according to Tim Ballard in this blog post. Unfortunately, that first OUR mission designed to locate Gardy, Operation Voodoo Doll, well, it's Haiti, Operation Voodoo Doll failed in its initial objective, as has every Gardy-oriented mission since. OUR claimed that Operation Voodoo Doll successfully rescued 28 kids from trafficking a number that multiple Blaze News sources seriously doubt. But Gardy was not found, and his whereabouts, if he is still alive, remains remain unknown. Though Gardy's case appears bleak, Ballard has frequently used the story of Gardy and Gesno's desperate desire to find him to raise funds for OUR. Many videos and other promotions featuring Ballard describe Gardy's story as the search that inspired the movement. And here in the article, they have embedded in it a video from Tim Ballard about Gardy Marty, in which they attempt to use it as a fundraising source. Okay, I'm going to play. It's three and a half minutes long. Let me play clips of it, and we'll see what this looks like and how Gardy Marty is used by Tim Ballard and his search. Marty, who was kidnapped from his family. This is his father. Yes, no, that Marty. just happened. I couldn't sleep at night. I couldn't even get into my house and sleep because as a father, my job is, you know, getting my son back. There are more than 30 million people enslaved today. Of those, about 10 million are children. These children are forced into slave labor, organ harvesting, and sex trafficking, which makes up about 2 million of those children. This is serious. It's the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world. It's a $150 billion a year business. I, you know, I feel that it is my duty. It is, you know, my responsibility to, you know, to, to get him back. And I will not let go. So there is the father of Gardy Marty Gesno talking about what he's trying to do desperately to find his son. And then he runs into Tim Ballard and Tim Ballard takes on this mission as his own. When I first met Gesno at a restaurant, I asked him what was being done to find his son. And he answered my question with a question I wasn't expecting. He said, do you have children? And I said, yes, I do. He said, could you sleep at night knowing that one of your children's beds was empty and you not knowing where they were? And I said, of course not. And he said, well, that's been my reality. The only thing being done is I walk the streets at night. I work all day. And then I walk the streets at night, arbitrarily picking some neighborhood. The more crime-ridden, the better. The darker, the better. Flashlight in hand. And I pray to God that I'll hear my son cry. 
And that's what's being done to find him. And so Gesno tells us to Tim Ballard, and Tim Ballard realizes with his experience that a lot more can be done to find him. And he's going to take this obligation on himself as a personal commitment to find Gesno's son, Gardy Marty. Now, we're at the 140 minute mark in this. We are about halfway through the video clip. I'll continue to play it, but please notice how this pulls on the heartstrings, opens up people's wallets. And I also note that at no time is any mention of using a psychic to find Gardy Marty mentioned by Tim Ballard. And it was in that moment that I said, there's so much more we can do. And I promise you, I will never stop until I die. I will never stop looking for your son. Now it's talking about since 2013, all the thousands of survivors they've rescued, all the thousands of human survivors they've rescued. That great contrast showing all the bad guys. We're just getting started. I had to go talk to the father, this father that we promised we'd, we'd find his son, and we believed we would. And I barely eked out the words, you know, that you know we didn't find your son, but we did rescue 28 children. And at that point, his face lights up, and he says, "Wait, why are we crying?" And I said, because I'm worried about the one we didn't get. And he said then the most profound thing I maybe have ever heard. He said, if I have to give up my son so that these 28 kids can be rescued, that is a sacrifice I'm willing to make. Guardy's been moved around quite a bit. That's why they haven't come. But everywhere we go looking for him, we end up rescuing more children, taking it. Excuse me for just a second. He says Gardy's been moved around quite a bit. How would he know that? How would he know that he's still alive? These are the hints that we get to the psychic Janet Russin being used behind the scenes. He wouldn't know either that he was still alive, that Gardy's still alive without Janet Russin saying so. He, I mean, not only was he kidnapped, there was this massive earthquake weeks later that killed hundreds of thousands, including other members of his family. How does Tim Ballard know that Gardy is still alive? And how does he know that he's been moved from place to place? And even that is not only hinting and referencing back to the psychic Janet Russin, it's also the explanation for why it is that her intelligence has ended up time after time being incorrect. Because after she receives the location, they go find him, they go to find him, he's not there. What's the answer? Because he was moved. So he's been moved around quite a bit. I would just want to play that little bit again. I'm going to back up here. And let's hear it from Tim Ballard's own mouth. Artie's been moved around quite a bit. But everywhere we go looking for him, we end up rescuing more children, taking us into places we never would have gone otherwise. We haven't found him yet, but we are closer than ever. We are putting more resources into this investigation than ever. And we're going to find him. And we're going to find him really soon. We're going to find him because eventually Janet Russin is going to get it right. And we're going to find him really soon because there has to be this immediacy to it in order to help people feel the need to contribute. 
to the cause. And there's a picture of Gardy. We'll play the clip to the end. Over 3,800 survivors rescued. And the search continues to find Gardy. So that's the end of that video that Tim Ballard made about Gardy. And I just think it's fascinating, the implicit references to Janet Russon and her psychic abilities, even in this video. But you have to know about it in order to see it. The article continues, OUR's lavish fundraisers, where Ballard often recounted Gardy's story, eventually caught the attention of Davis County District Attorney Troy Rawlings. For three or four years, Rawlings investigated Ballard and OUR's business and fundraising practices, though he announced earlier this year that he had closed the investigation without filing charges, earlier this year being 2023. Some of the sealed documents from that investigation were given to Blaze News by a source affiliated with it. According to these documents, Ballard and OUR raised nearly $200,000 at one notable OUR gala fundraiser, that promoted Gardy's cause, among other stories. See, the worst thing for fundraising purposes, the worst thing that could happen was to find Gardy. If you don't find him, then you can keep using the search for Gardy as a way to raise funds. It becomes a mission. If you find him, then it's over, all right? Obviously, everybody would rather he be found than he be not found, but the fact that he's not found can be used very, very cleverly and effectively, apparently, for raising funds, especially since we are going to find him, and it's going to be soon, as Tim Ballard assured us in the video. During this gala, which occurred on an unknown date, but which was summarized and documented by an investigator in November 2022, Ballard told attendees not only about the heartbreaking story of Gardy Marty, but about the apparent selflessness of Gesno Marty, whom Ballard called the godfather of the OUR organization. If I have to give up my son so that these other children could be rescued, Ballard recalled Gesno once saying, then that's the sacrifice I'm willing to make. Gesno recognized, Ballard said, that if not for his lost son, OUR would not exist and the kids rescued by OUR would still be in bondage. It's the same kind of story as in the video. We have looked for Gardy. We have not given up, Ballard continued, according to the documents, and we will never, ever give up. Strictly speaking, Ballard appears to have kept his promise to Gesno. Since its inception in 2013, OUR has conducted at least a dozen missions, likely more in the hope of finding Gardy and spent perhaps tens of millions of dollars in those efforts, according to the estimates of a former OUR associate family with the case. And yet 100% of OUR's intelligence about Gardy Marty, 100% of Tim Ballard's intelligence about Gardy Marty and his possible whereabouts has come from Janet Russon and her psychic visions. Multiple former OUR operatives with extensive military training told Blaze News. They're the ones who said it was all Janet. That was the only intel he had. That's where 100% of the intel came from. Ballard relied so heavily on Russin's input that he brought her along on at least one of the early Guardi missions 
and followed her every instruction, even down to the direction he was to drive his vehicle. This woman, Janet, starts telling Tim where to turn, where to go. A source who was in the truck with Russin and Ballard at the time recalled to Blaze News with bewilderment. When another former OUR associate asked Ballard in 2018 for all the actionable intelligence OUR had regarding Gardy Marty, all Ballard had to give him was a stack of Russin's readings, the source said. Blaze News has received a copy of more than 15 readings from Russin that relate to the search for Gardy Marty, likely written between 2014 and 2018. According to these readings, Russin believed that Gardy was being held hostage with other children in a location somewhere in a mountainous area of the Forêt de Pine. And now my French pronunciation is probably terrible. Uh, I'm guessing that might be the, the pine forest, forest of the pines, Forêt de Pine along Haiti's southeastern border with the Dominican Republic. These readings have a certain logic and organization to them. They attempt to describe, often in minute detail, Gardy's current location, his captors or other villains, and landmarks or other noteworthy objects that might signal to OUR team members that they are on the right track. The readings also make several references to the Bible and the Book of Mormon, likely to fortify the resolve of those looking for Gardy. Many sections read like the transcript of a phone call as Russin asks spirits questions, sometimes for clarifications, other times for encouragement. How do we find Gardy? Russin asks in one reading. Follow the roads. This is the answer that comes to her from the spirits. Follow the roads that lead from Marigo to Theot, north towards Malpas. You'll find him in the camp. You'll find him there at his home. This is where he calls home, comes the apparent reply. It is unclear whether the entire response is a direct quote or just the words and phrases Russin puts in quotation marks. And here's an example. This is a transcript of some of these notes that um, Janet Russin has made during her readings and her communications with the spirits. It's already been quoted in the article, but there is a copy of it so you can see it. At other times, Russin seems to converse with the spirit of Gardy himself, who's still alive, at least according to Janet Russin. Here's the quote. I heard him say, at 1 a.m., I go pee. Where will you be tomorrow at 6 a.m.? Sleeping in my bed, reads one of their exchanges, according to Gardy reading number 11, Clues. And you can see it there in the transcript that was obtained by Blaze News, and it's circled in red. At 1 a.m., he usually goes pee. I see him get up and go outside, pee outside. I heard him say, I heard him say, at 1 a.m., I go pee. Another time, Russin writes in bold that she'd heard Gardy say, just go to the camp. See you at the camp. I'll be there. Whether ops team members ever reached a camp is unclear, but if they did, they did not find Gardy there. According to Russin's readings, while in captivity, Gardy experiences naturally emotional swings. In one reading, he prays fervently for rescue. In another, he is tired of being held hostage and worries that people have given up on ever finding him. In yet another reading, Russin cautions that upon being found, Gardy will likely manifest symptoms of Stockholm Syndrome, a condition in which kidnapping victims develop a fierce attachment and loyalty to their kidnappers and initially refuse to cooperate with his rescuers. And there's that segment of one of her readings. 
In many readings, Resin also communes with the spirit of Gardi's deceased relatives, especially Eliane Borgelin, Gardi's paternal grandmother. Remember, that's Gesno, Gardi's father's, Gesno's mother who died in the earthquake some weeks after Gardi was kidnapped. So she's passed away, and it looks like Rustin is communicating with her, the grandmother of Gardi, and the mother of Gesno. Eliane, spelled with one L in some readings, died in the deadly earthquake that hit Haiti in January 2010, just a few weeks after Gardi was kidnapped. During one reading, Rustin, channeling Eliane's spirit, appears to experience for herself Eliane's supposed final moments. This is what the reading says. Big piece of rubble that fell, crumbled almost immediately. I felt tight stomach and sharp, quick pain in my left side of abdomen. Something poking in from outside, external pain, not internal injury. She didn't die from impact. She didn't pass away or cross over from the collapse. It was an instant, sudden death, but she knew. At the moment of the earthquake, she knew intuitively that it was over for her, her time. And there is the reading and the transcription with that part highlighted in red. Russin wrote in another reading about Eliane. She may have hovered, but she never wavered. It was her time to go. I was getting old, she says. Yet another reading with Eliane features a detail that, when read with the knowledge that Gardy remains missing and that OUR has been raising sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars at a time off of Gardy's story, is quite unsettling. At the prompting of Eliane's spirit, Russin advises Gesno Marty, the dad, to sell the jewelry that once belonged to his late mother to help fund Gardy missions. It is all for the children, Russin writes. Yeah, this is disturbing. There's a lot of disturbing things about this story. This is one of them. And this is new information. And here's the, uh, the transcript of the reading. Shows her jewelry. Not much for Gesno can sell it. It is all for the children. This is what Janet Russin is saying that Eliane, the deceased mother, of Gesno and the grandmother of Gardi is saying so she can pass the message along to Gesno. It's not much, but you can sell it because it's all for the children. Throughout these readings, Rustin remains unfailingly optimistic about finding Gardi safe and sound. In one reading, Rustin claims to hear the following message. Either this reading will find the boy or lead to an area where there are people who know who he is who he is, or where or who has seen him or had him with them. So this message, this reading, if it doesn't find him, at least it'll find somebody who can give us a lead on him. In the feelings section of another reading, she states confidently, it's going to work. It's going to happen now. And Ballard appears to have been assured by Russin's repeated senses of looming victory. During the same OUR mission in which Russin directed Ballard in the truck, Ballard promised Gesno Marty. Yeah, we've heard this before, but this is really disturbing too. Tim Ballard promised Gesno Marty, who had also joined the mission. He's there in person. 
that they were on the cusp of finding Gardy and bringing him home. Ballard says to him, Gesno, he's here, buddy. We're going to get him. We are going to get him, Ballard said after a hopeful prediction from Russin, according to a transcript of a video taken during the mission. The transcript was included in Rawlings' sealed documents shared with Blaze News. And there's a picture of the transcript of Tim telling this to Gesno right before they don't find Gardy. At present, the search for Gardy, who would now be 16 or 17 years old, seems to have petered out almost entirely, though an OUR blog post from August still insisted that OUR refuses to give up on the search for Gardy. But as far back as December 2020, a source indicated to a Davis County investigator that there is not a single person looking for Gardy anymore. Tim just uses the storyline to keep things going and obtain funding from donors. Gesno knows OUR is using him and the story for donations, according to a summary of the interview. Another former OUR operative still strongly supports OUR's overall mission and offered a countervailing view of the organization's work in Haiti. The OUR team, this person said, the OUR team I worked with in Haiti was always very sincere and effective, the operative told Blaze News. There wasn't a wasted day trying to help victims of trafficking or taking some action to help improve that country. And here's a picture of Gardy. Russin's readings have never led to the discovery of Gardy Marty. And the former OUR associates who spoke with Blaze News expressed a wide range of opinions about the efficacy of Russin's psychic powers and about psychics in general. That's amazing to me that there would be a wide range of opinions because it would seem that if you've gone there over and over like Janet Russin has with the intelligence to find Gardy and have never found him, I would think everybody would come to the same conclusion that it doesn't work. But apparently, even repeated failures are not enough to dissuade some people from that opinion. Multiple former OUR associates who spoke with Blaze News indicated that Russin and her readings yielded some positive results for OUR. Here's the, the religious belief about things, right? She's there to find Gardy. She doesn't find Gardy. But we're going to support it anyway by looking at other things that were positive, that we're going to characterize or frame as positive from her readings that did happen. You know, she failed on everything she was there to do but we'll find some reason to continue to believe in her. One source claimed to have met a victim rescued during a mission in which Rustin was directly involved. Okay, but it doesn't say that she found him because she never did. She didn't find the victim. They're looking for Gardy. They find other kids, they rescue him, and they give her the credit. At least this person apparently does. Another source who went on at least one mission in, to Haiti with Rustin claimed that Rustin provided several important insights for OUR team members as they ventured out into the field. For example, during that mission, operators found a water source deep within the Haitian forest, just as Rustin had envisioned. Even though this water source did not appear on any map or aerial surveillance, she also accurately predicted that operators would, encourage, would encounter a man in a purple shirt and a cowboy hat, as well as a person of authority wearing a red shirt, the source told Blaze News. A few of the readings seen by Blaze News seem to make reference to some of those details. And there they have another couple of pictures of transcripts of her readings, which seems to line up with what this person is saying. Others who spoke, but by the way, 
I'm not seeing anything about what they, so they encounter a man in a purple shirt and a cowboy hat and another guy wearing a red shirt. And the implication is that those things really happened. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to tell you right now that while you're out and about today or tomorrow, let's make it tomorrow. Okay. Cause I don't know what time of the day you'll be watching this. It may be released this evening. So let's make it tomorrow. Let's make it Saturday. Let's make it the 15th. That as you're out and about walking around, you will encounter an individual, a man in some kind of authority wearing a red shirt. You look for that. You see if it doesn't happen. And you see if I'm not as accurate a predictor of things as Janet Russin. Others who spoke with Blaze News about Russin are less hopeful about her paranormal site. Some in this group believe that Russin may be sensitive to those in another realm or dimension, but worry that such a sensitivity might easily be misapplied or exploited. A couple of them express strong personal or religious objections to paranormal sight and psychic readings in general. Yeah, you think? She's a Mormon. Okay, Mormons do not believe in consulting psychics, at least not the Mormons I grew up with. That is something that's beyond the pale. That's something that's discouraged. It's something that's described in the scriptures is you don't do it. Even though many of her predictions have not come true, Russin has been promoting her supposed gift for years. And Blaze News has been deeply interested to learn how her psychic process works. Yes, so am I. According to the former OUR associates who either received a reading from Russin or witnessed her conducting one, Russin supposedly speaks to spirits in a way reminiscent of Whoopi Goldberg's character, Oda Mae Brown, in the 1990 hit movie Ghost. She then shares her communications with those spirits in real time or writes them down quickly in a notebook. These handwritten readings are sometimes typed up neatly as in the case of the Guardi readings, and we saw examples of those. She also frequently records herself reading what she has written down. As many sources and the sealed documents from D.A. Rawlings' case all attested, the spirits she contacts are often deceased loved ones, such as a parent or spouse of a person seeking her services, but can also include famous people such as George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, and maybe Nephi. One source even witnessed Russin review a reading she had done about Vladimir Putin at Ballard's behest and was so disturbed by the experience that the witness snapped a photo of it. Blaze News is not sharing details of when and where the photo was taken to protect the source from possible identification. <laughs> no, but they've given enough detail about it that it can obviously be identified because they've said that Tim Ballard asked Janet Russin to give him a reading about Vladimir Putin, and she does. So this is the Vladimir Putin reading, all right? Um, but we don't know the date or the time or the place, so it'd be impossible to identify who took the picture. <laughs> there she is. Here's the picture. This was in the inset at the top, and she's looking down at this uh, piece of paper with all the lines of writing on it, which apparently she's done, and it's about Vladimir Putin. I wonder what it says about him. Some news articles, court documents, including the two sexual assault lawsuits recently filed against Ballard and D.A. Rawlings sealed documents, have all stated that in connection with her readings about Ballard's private life, Russin communes with a prophet named Nephi. Here we go. It's not just for George Washington and Abraham Lincoln anymore, these spiritual readings. Nephi is getting into the act. Russin communes with a prophet named Nephi, who, according to the Book of Mormon, lived around 600 BC. However, those reports are incorrect. What? 
Multiple sources have informed Blaze News that the Nephi in question is actually Ballard's great-great-grandfather, Nephi Anderson. Okay, so it wasn't really Nephi from the Book of Mormon. It was Ballard's great-great-grandfather, whose name just happens to be Nephi as well. Common misunderstanding. And I think it's interesting, this idea that if it were Nephi from the Book of Mormon, that would be crazy. That Janet Russell is communicating with a dead Book of Mormon prophet. But if she's actually communicating with a dead ancestor of Tim Ballard, who has the same name of Nephi, well, that makes it totally believable, right? <laughs> That's not strange at all. By the way, I looked up Nephi Anderson. I don't know if he is um, a direct ancestor of Tim Ballard, because Nephi Anderson has like 10 kids, and that would be its own um, what would you say? It's own um, complicated question to figure out. Maybe if Tim Ballard wants to show us exactly the line in his family tree that goes back to Nephi Anderson, that would be helpful. But Nephi Anderson was an author. He wrote novels, and his most famous novel in Mormon circles was added upon. You may have heard of that. It was basically a, a novel that talked about people in the pre-mortal existence and making promises and coming down to earth and fulfilling those promises. It was the predecessor for Saturday's Warrior. It's Saturday's Warrior without the music and dance numbers. Some of these sources also suggest that Ballard has never publicly corrected the record regarding Nephi's true identity because doing so would confirm his work with Russin, work that seems to violate LDS teaching regarding the gift of prophecy and the occult. So what this is saying that from these sources, the Nephi is actually... Ballard's great-great-grandfather, Nephi Anderson. But everybody thinks it's Nephi, the Book of Mormon prophet. And Ballard has never corrected them on that misunderstanding because if he did, it would naturally have to bring up the subject of Janet Russin, right? And it would have to show that he is confirming his work with Russin. And of course, now we're going to quote from the Gospel Principles Manual in the LDS Church. Because, believe it or not, yeah, consulting people like Janet Russin is kind of a no-no in the Mormon church. Here's the quote. Satan wants to blind us to the truth and keep us from seeking the true gifts of the Spirit. Mediums, astrologers, fortune tellers, and sorcerers are inspired by Satan, even if they claim to follow God. That's Janet Russin to a T. Their works are abominable to the Lord says a Mormon text called Gospel Principles. So it's showing the basis for why it is that a lot of people in the church see this as beyond the pale. They see it as satanically inspired. And even some of the Mormons who were with OUR looked at it that way. But strangely, Janet Russin doesn't. She has a different view of it. Tim Ballard doesn't. And apparently there were some other Mormons who were with OUR who didn't have that same problem or overcame it if they had it at first. For years, Ballard has publicly professed his membership in the LDS Church, and on September 18th, with reports swirling about possible sexual misconduct, Ballard issued a statement claiming himself to be a faithful Mormon, or excuse me, a faithful member in good standing in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. These professions of faith, notwithstanding, reports now say that Ballard has been formally excommunicated presumably because of accusations of marital infidelity 
and sexual misconduct. They're not confirming it. They're just saying that reports have circulated. A spokesman for the LDS Church declined to comment on the validity of those reports, but at least they're asking. There is no indication that an excommunication inquiry has been opened into Janet Russin. However, multiple sources told Blaze News that her work as a medium could put her in danger of excommunication. Yeah. Duh. The LDS spokesperson told Blaze News that the church discourages consulting mediums and indicated that under certain circumstances, a person known to have dabbled in psychic work might lose membership in the church. However, the spokesperson stressed that the church does not comment on individual membership, which is determined by local leaders. Yeah, they tried it out that old lie. Finally, Blaze News, it's a lie because usually it's local leaders. But if it's somebody who's big, like it's Kate Kelly, like it's uh, John DeLynn, like it's Abraham Gileadi or the September 6th, yeah, those directions come from the top down. And we all know it in spite of the protestations to the contrary. Finally, Blaze News has learned that Russin is not the only self-proclaimed psychic whom Ballard has consulted. He has also sought psychic services from at least one other woman identified only as Lori. We covered that before because her name occurs in one of the statements from one of the victims in one of the lawsuits. Whether Lori is a member of the LDS Church and whether she or Russin remain in contact with Ballard to this day are unclear. Among those who work closely with Tim Ballard, Russin's psychic readings seem to be an open secret. Most of these readings related to Ballard personally, with those relating to OUR missions representing just a tiny fraction of Russin's psychic work for Ballard. However, these OUR-related readings significantly impacted OUR business operations, especially since Russin received payment for her psychic services, even as donors were kept in the dark about the nature of her work. OUR has ignored repeated requests from Blaze News for answers regarding Russin. So we have had a difficult time piecing together exactly how and how much Russin was paid for performing psychic service. It appears that in the beginning of their relationship, Russin charged Ballard a few hundred dollars for each reading she gave. And since she gave him a reading nearly every day, the cost of Russin's psychic services would have added up quickly. An investigation, an investigator wrote in a report given to DA Rawlings his own understanding of Russin's pay structure. I learned through the investigation that Janet was being paid as a consultant, the investigator wrote. Janet was being paid a monthly consultant fee of approximately $5,000 with an hourly slash operational readings contract of approximately $1,560. And there's the, the photo of that segment of that document. Blaze News cannot independently verify these findings, but one source did indicate to us that in the early years, Russin likely made it most between $4,500 and $5,000 in months with a particularly high number of readings. The sheer volume of psychic readings that Russin had issued over the years is staggering. An email from DA Rawlings included with the sealed document stated that investigators had collected somewhere around 10,000 pages of Janet Russin readings as part of the investigator case file. At some point, OUR hired Russin and gave her a job that suggested she performed non-psychic work for the organization. Exactly when she was hired and the initial job title she was assigned remains unclear. 
There are even reports that for a brief time, she was actually paid by Slave Stealers, a for-profit LLC founded by Ballard, that while still technically active, seems to have faded into the background. According to a statement from OUR included at the end of this section, in 2021, Rustin was named the Executive Director of Children Need Families, then an OUR subgroup co-founded by Ballard's wife, Catherine Ballard, that focused on providing prospective adoptive families with financial assistance. So here's this individual, Janet Rustin, who is a psychic but also has adopted seven of her nine children, who, based upon that experience, was working on a board of directors for a nonprofit involved in adopting children and now she gets made into the head let me see here executive director of children need families which was an OUR company then an OUR subgroup co-founded by Ballard's wife that focused on providing prospective adoptive families with financial assistance it is unclear what experience Rustin may have had that would have qualified her to act as executive director of a nonprofit organization. But even as she performed legitimate work for children need families, Rustin continued to provide Tim Ballard and therefore OUR with psychic readings. But now that she had been onboarded as a full-time employee and had begun receiving a salary, Ballard no longer needed to pay her by the reading. One source told Blaze News that Ballard took advantage of this shift in the financial arrangements and demanded ever more readings from Russin, even as her CNF, Children Need Family Salary, remained relatively stable, based on the OUR statement. But Ballard seems to have been very circumspect about revealing Russin's true role with OUR. Ballard referred to Russin as OUR's most guarded secret, one source said and regularly threatened to sue any employee or consultant who discussed her psychic work publicly. Yeah, he really believes in her. He believes in her ability and her psychic-ness, but doesn't want anybody else to talk about it. Rustin had no office at OUR facilities and only rarely made an appearance at them, sources told us. Many of the office staff recognized Rustin whenever she did stop by, but had little understanding of what she actually did. Since its founding in 2013, none of OUR's publicly available IRS 990 tax forms has ever listed Russin among its officers, directors, trustees, key employees, highest compensated employees, and independent contractors, even though that sounds like where she would fall as an independent contractor, at least during part of that time. And Russin's psychic work, which always seems to have portended good fortune for Ballard, apparently emboldened Ballard to indulge even his most sordid ideas and whims. According to several reports, Russin helped identify women who ought to play the part of Ballard's fake girlfriend on international OUR operations, a controversial tactic that Ballard dubbed the couple's ruse. Two separate lawsuits filed against Ballard alleged that Ballard engaged in sexual misconduct in connection with OUR couple's ruses and both of those lawsuits named Janet Russin as a co-defendant. In at least some of these instances of Tim Ballard picking out women to be his couple, his wife, his fake wife, his fake girlfriend for the couple's ruse, there are allegations that Janet Russin picked the girl, picked the woman, picked the lady 
410. Russin's interference in the couple's ruse allegedly didn't end there. According to the lawsuit, she also learned through her psychic powers that Ballard had been married to some of his couple's ruse partners in previous lives. Armed with this supposed knowledge from Russin, Ballard would then suggest to these women that because they had been married in a previous life, sexual contact between them would be appropriate and not extramarital, the lawsuit stated. So this is why I say that, no, Janet Russin is not providing undue influence on Tim Ballard. She's not making him do anything that he wouldn't do otherwise. What she's doing is giving cover for what he wants to do, and they're acting in concert. The estranged husband of one of Ballard's accusers, identified in the second lawsuit only as FT, referred to Russin as Tim's enabler. FT also recalled in the lawsuit that when Russin was first introduced to his wife, identified in the lawsuit as AA, I've read both of those statements, Russin hinted that Ballard would likely select AA for future couples' ruses. After some brief conversation, Russin looked AA up and down, that's my wife, looked AA up and down and said, I have a feeling I'll be working with you a lot in the future. So Janet Russin says that to this guy's wife. And when I first read that, I thought, well, is that because she's Tim Ballard's type and she looks like somebody that Tim Ballard would select? But I'm starting to get the idea, no, what she's doing, I mean, she might be doing that, but the other interpretation is she's using her psychic abilities and identifying this person as someone that Tim Ballard had been married to in a prior life. So I'm probably going to tell Tim Ballard to pick you. Now, looking back, I get chills thinking about that moment. FT, the husband, added. Ballard left OUR last June after an investigation into the allegations of sexual misconduct in connection with the couple's ruse. Russin, Russin left OUR shortly thereafter, which also indicates a connection. After her departure, OUR issued the following statement. Uh, so now this is OUR talking about Janet Russin after Janet Russin left. Here's her statement. Janet Russin worked as a full-time executive director for the Children Need Families program for the last two years with a starting salary of $122,000 per year and a final salary of $125,000 per year. She left OUR shortly after Mr. Ballard's departure. None of her work with CNF had any association with her self-proclaimed psychic abilities. Well, no, nobody claimed it did. That was all trying to find Gardy, right? For any question about her alleged psychic abilities, services rendered to Mr. Ballard or payments for those services, please ask Ms. Ms. Russin or Mr. Ballard. Yeah, don't ask us. We're not talking about it. Nobody wants to talk about Janet Russin and her psychic abilities. At least some members of OUR leadership, especially those on the board, likely knew about Russin's psychic work for Ballard from the beginning, sources indicated to Blaze News. Of course they did. There is even evidence that a reading from Russin affected the makeup of OUR's executive team. Blaze News has received a recording just over eight minutes long of one of Russin's readings in Russin's voice. It is believed that this reading was recorded in May 2020. At that point in time, Ballard was no longer CEO of OUR, a title he held from 2015 to 2017. 
During this reading, Resson asked Nephi, ostensibly great-great-grandfather of Tim Ballard, whether Ballard is destined to become CEO once again. By the way, this whole thing about, well, is it Nephi from the Book of Mormon or is it the less objectionable or less out there idea of it being uh, Nephi Anderson, right? Yeah, I think that's a ruse too. It's not the couple's ruse. I think this is the Nephi's ruse. I think it's definitely Book of Mormon Nephi, but now when it's getting out there, you want to make it sound less strange. Oh, it's just my my great-great-grandfather who's been dead for a century. Okay. So at this point in time, Ballard's no longer CEO of OUR. He will become that again, though, I believe, before he's asked to step down. Uh, during this reading, Resson asked Nephi, ostensibly Ballard's great-great-grandfather, whether Ballard is destined to become CEO once again, the once and future CEO, Tim Ballard. Resson says in this recording, becoming CEO at this point was always the plan. Apparently, she's saying this on behalf of Nephi and other spirits. And because you followed the plan almost perfectly, perfectly enough, you are able to step in without tripping. It is right because we say it is. You were always meant to be at the helm of OUR. Boy, these spirits are really, really concerned about OUR and Tim Ballard. Your name and your oversight at the top of the pyramid will at this time and going forward, not only restore an off-kilter organizational chart, Resson's voice continues a few minutes later, but will be the additional critical component to upgrade and power up OUR for phase two. At one point, Resson even makes reference to a coup, though the details of that coup and OUR's phase two remain unclear. Toward the end of the reading, Resson receives instruction about how OUR leadership ought to be structured and mentions a flowchart she has drawn to illustrate it, though Blaze News has never seen a copy of this flowchart. So she's receiving these impressions, these communications, and they're actually being used to set up the executive leadership of OUR. Elsewhere in the reading, Resson claims that Ballard is always accompanied by angels and advises him to consider consulting a seer stone, which he then defines as a personal revelatory device. This is fascinating stuff. This is eight minutes and 14 seconds long. We have the recording here. It's included in the news article. I'm going to play this so we can actually listen to Janet Resson receiving her communications from the spirits for Tim Ballard. If you don't want to listen to it, and I understand if you don't, you can just fast forward to eight minutes and we'll pick up from there. But for those of you, and I'm one of them, who want to hear what this sounds like, play the tape. This is your reading from Nephi. Tell me about my new position as CEO again at OUR. How is it right? How will it improve things? How or what counsel things do I need to do? Nephi says, you know slash are aware the timing of this move is correct and timely. We've timed it. We've timed it. You're never alone in these endeavors, Tim. You're always accompanied by angels dash helpers. Heavenly help, you know this. It's the rhythm of life. If only we could enlighten more of God's children of this, and if only they acted upon or along with that enlightenment. The tools are available, and by the way, the basic rudimentary unit of faith and the most beautiful permanent territory state of faith is prayer. Trust 
in a being greater than one's own self, strength, intellect, and ability. Just that trust alone builds a faithful intelligence meaning person, spirit in the flesh. Then building on this is patience, born of faith and charity, born of trust in and love of Christ. That love increasing as faith in action produces works and rewards from the divine or deity, not always directly from God, but other heavenly beings as well. A seer stone might be the next level, a personal revelatory device. A visitation may be added to or in place of a stone, perhaps on, perhaps it, sorry, perhaps one follows or precedes the other. Personal revelation has several manifestors to choose from. The Holy Ghost, as one's constant companion, is incredibly necessary, generally and lovingly generously and lovingly provided with the contract of baptism and the continuation of worthiness and contribution to the kingdom. Meaning other saints and souls on earth, the planet, nature, giving of one's one's time and talents and life. More tools are given in the temple. You cannot hold them but you possess them. Like laundry unfolded, they sometimes sit in our spiritual closets. This is other Maxwell. Only used when we need a clean shirt after our other favorites have been worn and perhaps soiled, needing to be cleaned. That's not the plan, said gently. So other Maxwell then gives the microphone to Nephi. The purpose of gifts and tools is to use them. Okay, hang on a second. Excuse me for a second, okay? I think she just said that Elder Maxwell gives the microphone to Nephi. Elder Neely Maxwell is involved in this and is now handing, he's giving the first part of this and now he's handing the microphone to Nephi so Nephi can continue with the spiritual message. Wear them daily. Keep them in good order and repair. Be so familiar with them and adept at their usefulness that you've mastered the tool and in so doing, then are ready to receive more, an attachment to that tool, an enhancement, faith, tokens, gifts, an enhancement, faith, tokens, gifts, the stone, a visitation to sure knowledge. All the gifts of the Spirit, he being the giver, are available. Some have them. Some are. These are some thoughts to continue. Sorry. Some have them. Some people have them. These are some thoughts to consider. Becoming CEO at this point was always the plan. And because you followed the plan almost perfectly, perfectly enough, and because you followed the plan, Almost perfectly, perfectly enough, you're able to step in without tripping. It is right because we say it is. You are always meant to be at the helm of OUR. You never left. It is like a withdrawing of the spirit. 
Let's see how the body behaves with the knowledge it has. Will it still move forward and do the correct thing and make the decisions needed unselfishly to progress? Or will there be deviation? The absence the absence, if we will, was a test for both you and the organization. To what direction did the heart of OUR turn? Who was in charge and how did systems function? Did ego swell or shrink? Was, the con was there contention or peace? Did you see advancement or retreat? Was middle ground held? Who was in charge? Why? Changes made? Was attention fully on the original mission and intent, or was there a shift? Like a catalyst to bring an experiment to like a catalyst to bring an experiment to equilibrium, you will restore balance to the organization. Is there any other way? There is no other way. So, what I'm understanding the spirits to be saying here. <laughs> is that he was removed from being the CEO of OUR for a time so that it could be demonstrated how badly OUR was run without Tim Ballard as the CEO so that he would then be placed again in that position. That's what I'm getting from this. Okay, let's try a little bit more. We're getting toward the end now. Your name and your oversight at the top of the pyramid will at this time and going forward not only restore an off-kilter organizational chart, but will be the addition to the critical component, but will be the addition or additional cr critical component to upgrade and power up OUR for phase two. The world has changed him and war is being waged on every living soul. Two feet firmly set on the ground and Brad, Jerry, and John as three waiters W-E-I-G-H-T-E-R-S, is the blueprint for OUR success going forward. We can only make it that clear. As discussed, once you're in place again as CEO, but there will be a difference in the position going forward, which will be carefully explained in the near future. Once in place, Stay tuned. all you need to focus on now, you will designate place Brad as COO. Brad is over Tevia. Correct. That alliance isn't necessary with Jerry. And as Janet said, it, it is a coup. One of the main reasons, love here for Jerry and Tevia, there's love, feeling love for them. One of the main, re main reasons for you to step in now is so that is so these two can function optimally in their areas of expertise and strength. It is not a punishment, but a loving course correct. They may not immediately see it that way. By the way, I see exactly what's talking about now that she is saying he will once again become CEO. And when he does, these are the people you will put in position and the other people that you will remove from position. And then I just drew a little diagram, which is Tim is CEO. Brad is COO over, and then you designate what he's over. Jerry is COO over marketing and communications. The, the naming, the titling isn't so important. It's the sharing of power, but they each have their designated 
um, areas. So Jerry, COO over marketing and communication, Brad, COO, he's on the left, Jerry's on the right, over blank. Tevia reports to Brad, others report to Jerry, John being president, uh, president of operations as he is, reports to you. End of reading. End of reading. Okay. There's a little bit of background noise here. I hope you're not confusing that with the spirits because I can hear them and I hope you can too, because if not, then I'm in trouble. I've got to try and find this place again. This is your reading from Nephi. No, excuse Tell me. me. About my this is the reading from Nephi. And I want to that try and find the part about the microphone. Other heavenly beings. I, I think that was right around three. It and I hope you'll indulge me here. Necessary kingdom. Like laundry unfolded, they sometimes sit in our spiritual closets. This is Elder Maxwell. Only used when we need a clean shirt after our other favorite. I'm going back down to the reading to find the part about Elder Maxwell. Needing to be cleaned. That's not the plan, said gently. So Elder Maxwell then gives the microphone to Nephi. So Elder Maxwell then gives the microphone to Nephi. Wow. Okay. Microphones in heaven. Blaze News, the article goes on. Blaze News has reason to believe that D.A. Rawlings has a copy of this recording or a recording on the same topic. In a February 2023 email included in the sealed documents, Rawlings called the OUR executive structure laid out in the recording fascinating. Perhaps because Ballard had become CEO once again by 2022. So she's right. She called it. Ballard did become the CEO again before he had to step down from being CEO <laughs> a second time. But okay, you know, we'll give her credit. Others, such as Jerry and Tevya, those were the two who are mentioned later on in this reading, believed to be Jerry Gowan and Tevya Ware, who Russin predicts in the reading will soon endure a loving course correct, also appear to have undergone a job change as well. Gowan went from CEO in 2019 to another kind of CEO, chief experience officer, a year later, though his salary continued to increase. So what they're doing is they're showing that it does look like once Ballard became CEO, once again, he followed this reading and restructured things the way he was told to. Where Ballard's sister-in-law. Okay, so that's who Tevya Ware is, Tim Ballard's sister-in-law was vice president of OUR Finances from 2015 to 2017 and CFO from 2018 to 2020. By 2021, she likely left the company. as She no longer appeared on OUR tax forms at that point. Whether she did so of her own accord is unclear. So it may not have occurred. In other words, this reading may not have happened for Tevya Ware uh, like it did for Jerry Gowan. It is also not clear whether these changes were made because of pressure from Ballard. But it is clear that Ballard wanted assurance from Russin and the spirits that he would regain stature at OUR. Several sources told Blaze News that Ballard used Russin as a kind of crystal ball so that he could have a sense of certainty about his future, including at OUR. Most OUR leaders, especially those on the board, likely knew about Russin's psychic contributions to its business practices. Multiple sources told Blaze News, but if any of them had misgivings about Russin or her paranormal intel, they keep their thoughts to themselves. Ballard would have gotten them fired if they hadn't, the sources said. Eeny, meeny, chilly beanie, the spirits are about to speak. Are they friendly spirits? Just listen. They also never shared this information publicly. 
according to Davis County District Attorney Rawlings. Donors are not made aware that Nephi via Ms. Resson is the key piece of OUR operational intelligence. Rawlings wrote in an email included in the sealed document shared with Blaze News. Most individual donors may not have known about Resson's influence at OUR, but at least one major corporate donor got wind of it. And guess what they did when they got wind of it? They bailed and immediately voiced its disapproval. <laughs> Essential oils developer Do doTERRA, based in Pleasant Grove, Utah, was once a major donor to OUR, one source told Blaze News, but became concerned about OUR after hearing several disturbing reports about the organization, including the reports about psychic influence. Ballard attempted to quell doTERRA's concerns by explaining that even federal agencies have utilized remote viewers. Once again, the response is, that, no, that's a lie. We don't use any kind of psychics. No, he's going to justify it by saying federal agencies have utilized remote viewers. Itself, a very questionable uh, uh, assertion, at least with any degree of you know, efficacy. I mean, if they worked, everybody would be using them. Hello, McFly. A report in the sealed document said, but doTERRA eventually elected to withdraw its financial support from OUR anyway. Smart move, doTERRA. In response to a request for comment, doTERRA sent Blaze News the following statement. doTERRA and the doTERRA Healing Hands Foundation do not partner with OUR or support any active project with Tim Ballard or his affiliated organizations. Instead, doTERRA Healing Hands launched the HOPE action plan in 2020 to fight human trafficking and victimization through prevention, responsible rescue, and trauma-informed restorative care. So they bailed on the whole OUR thing with Tim Ballard, and they heard about certain things, including the psychic connection, his psychic hotline, and they created their own uh, type of organization. OUR did not respond to Blaze News' repeated requests for comments. OUR is remaining mum. Many readers might wonder why those at OUR, many of whom are Mormon, allowed Ballard to incorporate so much of Russin's psychic work into OUR operations and why some of the women involved in couples' ruses accepted his seemingly wild tales about reincarnation in previous marriages. Well, yeah, that's a question that's crossed my mind. The short answer is that they likely would not have tolerated any of it but for Ballard's penchant for dropping the name of his late former friend, M. Russell Ballard, otherwise known as Elder Ballard. Until last week, Elder Ballard, who was not related to Tim, but who once considered him a friend, was the acting president of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles in the LDS Church. As the authority of members of the Quorum stands second only to the authority of the church president, Elder Ballard's name carried significant weight with members of the LDS community until his death last Sunday at the age of 95. I'm going to insert here parenthetically that in the second lawsuit, the one with the couple, the woman in that lawsuit, who I believe was AA and was referred to earlier, she's not a member of the church, and yet she was manipulated by Tim Ballard to do the same things that even the Mormon women did. So this is not a complete answer. I think it's a big chunk of the answer, but it obviously doesn't include the whole answer because if non-Mormon women are falling prey to Tim Ballard's uh, manipulations, then it's not just because of Elder Ballard's name being dropped. Before Elder Ballard's death, Tim Ballard repeatedly indicated to others that Elder Ballard had approved the couple's ruse, so long as no kissing on the lips or sexual intercourse was involved, and had even given Tim a special priesthood blessing for it. 
Both aforementioned lawsuits regarding alleged sexual misconduct claimed three plaintiffs in one lawsuit likewise mentioned in their personal statements that Tim Ballard had told them that Elder Ballard had sanctioned the couple's ruse. Tim Ballard insisted that Elder Ballard had sanctioned Bresson's readings as well. So Tim Ballard insisted that Elder Ballard had sanctioned these psychic readings as well. Multiple sources told Blaze News, though none had ever heard Elder Ballard himself confirm his blessings on psychics or the couple's ruse. So it's all coming through Tim. All that information was filtered through Tim Ballard, they say. But Tim Ballard was telling this to multiple people, that Elder Ballard had sanctioned not only the couple's ruse, but also the psychic readings by Janet Russin. One woman who spoke with Blaze News indicated that the ruse of Elder Ballard's name in connection with unsavory practices like the couple's ruse and the use of psychics is a strategic component of Tim Ballard's method of persuasion, his methods of persuasion. He knows most church members wouldn't believe or agree with him about using a psychic, so he uses Elder Ballard or apostles in general as validation for his claims. She said, in September, just as reports about the couple's ruse were beginning to circulate, Elder Ballard issued the following statement about Tim Ballard and their past friendship. And here they quote the statement from September 15th condemning Tim Ballard and highlighting this passage. We've read it before. I'm not going to read the whole thing. Once it became clear Tim Ballard had betrayed their friendship through the unauthorized use of President Ballard's name, for Tim Ballard's personal advantage and activity regarded as morally unacceptable, President Ballard withdrew his association. So on September 15th, when we first saw this printed in Vice News, the statement from the church, it was unclear what this meant. Two months have passed, a lot of information's come out, and now it's starting to become more clear what this sentence was indicating and why it was written and what it was regarding. Closing the story now, a spokesperson for the LDS church who knew Elder Ballard well claimed that there is no evidence that Elder Ballard had any knowledge that Tim Ballard had sought psychic readings or engaged in the couple's ruse until recent investigations brought those reports to light. Tim Ballard had a sub substantive discussion with Blaze News regarding the accusations of sexual misconduct several weeks ago. However, he and his representatives disregarded several attempts for a follow-up conversation with us regarding psychics and remote viewing. And that is the end of the story from The Blaze News from November 13th, 2023. So now we know even more about the psychic Janet Russin, how she operated, how she was used. We've even heard her own voice reading one of her readings and talking about the microphone being passed from Elder Maxwell to Nephi in the middle of one of the readings. That, that's the part I'm going to remember. I can't help it. That's just so, so unusual. Microphone, I'm talking, I'm Elder Maxwell, and now I'm done with my message, and now you're going to hear from Nephi. Okay. It's like they have their own version of Mormonism live going up there. Instead of Bill Real and Radio Free Mormon, it's Elder Neil Maxwell and Nephi. Well, that is the end of tonight's show. That was quite a long article. We are approaching an hour and a half. I will end it here. I'm going to thank everybody for watching. Please hit like. Please hit subscribe. Leave a comment below. And um, if it's nothing more than wow. Elder Maxwell passes the microphone to Nephi. <laughs>
And if you can, uh, and if you haven't already, please go to RadioFreeMormon.org, click the donate button, make a monthly donation. $5 a month is all I ask. If you can do more, great. Um, but it is your donations that keep Radio Free Mormon broadcasting behind enemy lines. That's about all for tonight. Until next time, this is Radio Free Mormon signing off the air.